Hey, Church of the Valley family. Today's passage isn't like most of the rest of Paul's letter to the Colossians. Uh, and it's still nonetheless God's word for us today. And I'm excited to begin a new year by reading it for you. So please turn with me to Colossians chapter 4, where I'll be reading verses 4 through 18 from the New International Version of the Bible. All right, so Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. And look, I get it. There are tons of names in there, but Let's see what God has for us today by the Spirit that breathed this text in the first place. Would you join me in prayer? God, I thank you for these people that Paul worked with and cared about. And I thank you for the church work that they trailblazed together and separately. As we start at Church of the Valley, our year of 2020, would you inspire us to take to heart what you're saying to us through that redeemed sinner, Paul. And would you allow this redeemed sinner, Mike, to speak with your heart for our people? Thank you for hearing this prayer because of our access given by King Jesus Messiah, purchased by his blood. Amen. All right, and I have to tell you, when I first read this passage, I started thinking of buddy movies. And that got me off on the wrong track, to be honest, because this isn't really anything like a buddy movie. Some of you have seen this picture before, but it's one of some of my buddies at the reception when Karen and I were married, oh, those many years ago. And I love all these guys. They are amazing people. They are dear friends of mine. But this kind of group isn't what Paul is talking about. He's talking about an intimacy of people that comes from being submitted to the supreme king the same king. And he's talking about connections between people who know the incarnate, crucified, risen, and ascended Jesus. Oh, who know he is God, who know he is also man, and know that the work that he has accomplished is critical to everything we are and will be. 
Paul's crew are united around more than shared experiences, more than around an appreciation for one another, more than around their helpfulness and utility to each other. They are united around a devotion to King Jesus Messiah. And that's why this letter is written. That's what it's about. So why would we be surprised that Paul concludes using the same theme? We wouldn't be surprised. Paul has warned that the Colossians uh, are facing mixing foreign substances into the gospel milkshake, simple and perfect, and that dilutes who Jesus is and substitutes other sources of righteousness, distracting us from growing in Jesus's perfect likeness. All right, the first part of this section, uh, this passage that we're reading today, I'd say talks about who Paul is sending to the Colossians. So the first one is Tychicus in verse seven. Ty, I'm gonna call him, will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. <sighs> He's gonna bring all the news. Uh, have you thought about all the news that was going on with Paul and how little of it actually made it into this letter? Well, Ty is being sent to fill them in on everything that's missing in their knowledge of what he's facing and what's going on, what opportunities there are and what threats, what strengths and what weaknesses in the ministry. And the thing is that that is something you would only entrust to someone that you know well, trust well, who knows you, understands you, gets what's important. You wouldn't send just anybody. That's who Ty is. Paul has a lot going on, but he hasn't been talking about it. And he, he's had this overarching purpose, but he still wants the people of Colossae to know what's going on with him in detail. So who is this guy, Ty? Well, we see him in Acts 20, verse 4. Paul was accompanied by several people, including Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. All right, that Asia isn't the Asia that we think about. It's what we used to call Asia Minor. It's mostly occupied by Turkey these days, but that's where this believer came from. Our man Tai uh, most likely originated in the, pro the Roman province of Asia, Asia Minor. And he's a guy from Asia who's willing to run with Paul even when things get a little roasty and toasty like they did in that Acts passage. You can go back and take a look at it. Uh, things get a little hot and exciting in uh, Ephesus that day. But back to Colossians, verse 8. I am sending Ty to you for the pur express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He's also a guy who can bring big news but also bring deep encouragement. Here's an interesting thing. What does Paul say about the same representative in his letter to the Ephesians? We can find that in Ephesians chapter six. I'm gonna read verse 21 and 22. Ty, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am doing and what I am doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. And it's like, wait, dear brother, faithful servant in the Lord, so you may know, sent to encourage. This sounds very much like what Paul is saying to the Colossians as well. And now think about this for a moment. Paul is doing two things. 
He is saying, this is my boy Ty, and what he is is dear to me, faithful to the ministry, not just a co-worker. I consider him a fellow servant. The Apostle Paul says, this is my guy. How does your life demonstrate that serving the same master, the same Jesus, King Jesus King, connect you to other believers? Is there a connection that's based simply on that? To the extent that this connection isn't what it might be, is that because you don't serve in Christ church? Is it because you don't serve in community? Maybe you're, you're solo serving somehow? Notice maybe only differences and, and, and failings, so your, your focus isn't service, it's critique? Or maybe service isn't even something that you're interested in? Look, if you're in Christ, Paul has been teaching us in this letter that your connections ought to be different. Those in Christ connect differently. They connect with God in Christ. So we have this unique connection that Christ makes possible. We connect with other believers. Again, a unique connection that Christ makes possible. We connect within our own families and households. And as we've heard, Christ changes what that connection looks like toward our vocations, our work, whether we love it or hate it, in Christ, we have a different connection with it. And finally, toward outsiders, people outside the church, people who aren't in Christ. And the way he's talking about Ty, Paul is saying, it's important that you in the churches, the ones who already know me, like those in Ephesus, and those who don't, like you in the city of Colossae, hear what is happening in our ministry and share in who I am and what I'm up to. And for that reason, we're going to have a, a, a quick little message from Sam and Smy Haas because Samuel and Smy are changing what they're doing about ministry, and you may not have heard about that. And we wanted to give them the opportunity to encapsulate what that's all about. Hi, C of E. I'm Samuel. I'm Smy. And we are C of E's missionaries in Cambodia. We are currently here in the United States because I had two strokes within one week and so I need to come here to get um, that situation figured out. I'm currently being seen at Stanford and we're currently waiting on a couple more tests to figure out if there's something surgically they can do to fix the underlying issue. If they can't, um, then I'll be on medication for the rest of my life, but either way we're hoping to be able to return to Cambodia sometime in February. We started out our mission in Cambodia primarily working with AIM, Agape International Missions, to fight human trafficking in Cambodia. But God has been guiding us over these last two years that we've been there to expand our mission in Cambodia. So we're still going to be working with AIM, but we're going to be expanding our mission to include a few new things that we're very excited about. And Smai is going to tell you about the things. first step uh, for 2021 is that we're going to take in five kids and young adult um, in our home, help them figure out just life in general, and also poten potentially starting a training center for survival of human trafficking. Yeah, uh, we're very, very excited about that. We're very excited about... Um, building foundations in Christ, uh, in the people of Cambodia. And all of this would not be possible without you. And so we're very, very thankful for your generous support. 
and we just wanted to thank you. So with that, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So Paul isn't just sharing information. He's not just sharing emotion. He's fostering a relationship between churches and between believers across distances, all on the same mission in their own places. And Ty is part of that. What else does Paul say about him? He says, as soon as I send uh, Artemis or Ty to you in Titus 3.12, do your best to come to me because I've decided to winter in Nicopolis. Okay, and what we find is uh, Ty's a guy that he sent in 2 Timothy 4.12 to Ephesus. This is a person Paul can send to relieve a pastor, to provide pastoral care, to be a minister of the gospel in places that Paul cares about with people that Paul wants to be growing in Christ. Are you getting a picture of the kind of reliable, faithful guy that Ty is? He's got Paul's full trust and he's used in multiple ways. And you say, but Mike, he's a pastor. Of course he's got Paul's full trust and is ready to step in wherever he's needed. And the cynical side of me says, um, how well do you know pastors when I hear that? But instead of going there, too late, here's what I want to do. I want to move on to someone who isn't a pastor because it's almost like Paul anticipated my complaint. Instead, this isn't a minister, it's a slave, probably a runaway slave. His name's Onesimus. So verse 9 Ty is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. Faithful and dear. Who in God's church could describe you or me that way? Ah, what a, thanks, Karen. That's really nice. What a way to be described about the people in Christ's family. Warm words indeed. But who is this Onesimus? What we know about him comes from yet another letter that Paul wrote uh, in, into this vicinity. It's an extremely short, there's only one chapter to it. It's delicately written, known as the New Testament book of Philemon, because that's the name of the church leader who owned Onesimus, and it was directed to. Onesimus is just a guy. He's one of you in the sense that he, he comes from Colossae, but he's ended up with Paul imprisoned in Rome. How close are they? Look at what kind of language Paul used. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, he says in Philemon verse 10, who became my son while I was in chains. Who son language is big. That's a close relationship, or it ought to be. Uh, it's an extra big deal because Paul knows there's trouble between Onesimus and Philemon. Verse 11 in Philemon, formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. This is a play on Onesimus' name, which means useful. We don't fully understand Onesimus' story arc, to be honest, but Paul commends the person, Onesimus, in what he has become, and he does so in extremely affectionate terms. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. This is a deep connection that Paul is emphasizing to Philemon, who is a guy who hosts the Colossian church at his home. It's probably one of several, but he's got a home big enough. He's kind of a big deal. And yet, 
in verse 13 of Philemon, I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. Hey, Philemon, I appreciate your service, but I would, I have appreciated Onesimus' service and I would have kept him for my own service. He's that useful, but for your sake, I'm reuniting them. Paul is subtly making a case for the little guy being every bit as important as the big shot in the cause of the gospel. Isn't that reassuring? But to what extent do you believe, for example, that Pastor Tim is important for the work of the gospel, but that you aren't? Why would you believe that? Are you helping others in their gospel work? And one more question, how can you take your own part in the work of the gospel as seriously as Paul does and as Jesus does? It's a high standard, but it's pretty critical because everyone who is in Christ should have a part to play in the life of Christ's church. Paul sends a pastor, but he also sends a literal servant, commending them both affectionately. There's absolutely different you know, levels of responsibility for these guys and for everybody in the church, for how the flock is tended, for how we serve. But if you're in Christ, you have a part to play. And if you're not sure how to do that in the context of Church of the Valley, feel free to contact me. I'm at michael.miller at covalley.com. Okay, now Paul moves on from who he's sending to Colossae to meet with the folks to who he's sending greetings from in his crew. Does that make sense? His crew's now given shout outs. So the first person Paul mentions shouting out to Colossae is Aristarchus, we're call him Ari. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings. All right, we'll just stop there. What do we know about Ari? Well, back to Acts chapter 19, verse 29. Uh, the whole city was in a great uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, that's Ari, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and all of them rushed into the theater together. We've heard about this before, early in the same sermon in Acts 20, when Paul and Ty and Ari depart Ephesus after the riots are all done. Acts chapter 20, verse 4 uh, covers that, so let's move on. We know Ari's from Thessalonica. What else do we know? Well, from Acts 27, first couple of verses, when it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from Adramitium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, that's Ari, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. This is a literal fellow traveler with Paul. Whether or not he was a literal prisoner with Paul at the time that Paul is having this written. Okay, and I'll tell you that from experience, men and women who have walked with you through difficult circumstances, uh, long trips, uh, riots perhaps, they are valuable people. They can be understanding people because they know what you've gone through. They can be encouraging people because they understand what difficulty and adversity are like firsthand. When have you personally been available to walk through difficult circumstances with others? That's often the most important ministry that we can do for our Savior, to be present 
with people in difficulties? And how are you making use of past difficulties that you've experienced in the service of Jesus? I love talking to elders of churches going through difficult transitions of one kind or another because I so valued the presence of other elders and pastors when my church was going through a difficult transition. The loss of a loved one is actually harder for me than, than the church transition context because honestly, I'm still learning to grieve properly. But both of these circumstances are difficulties I've experienced and I ought to be growing in both in how I connect with people experiencing such situations. My next question to you is, where do you need to grow in redeeming hard experiences by serving others? Okay, the next one is Mark, also known as John Mark. Same verse as, as we were just reading. Who else send his greetings? Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. From this passage, we know he's a cousin of Barnabas, who used to be Paul's mentor and ministry companion. We also know that he may be coming to Colossae, but Paul doesn't seem sure, and we don't know what the instructions are that they've received about him. But what are they to do? They're to welcome him. They're to receive him gladly. And we're pretty sure that this is John Mark, whose role in ministry is described much earlier than we've been in the book of Acts, Acts back in 12. Acts 12, 12, uh, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Wow, okay, this young man accompanies Barnabas and the young believer and minister Saul, who's about to be much better known as Paul. And later in Acts chapter 12, it says, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jer Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Mark goes with them as a helper on Paul's first missionary journey in Acts chapter 13, verse five. They proclaim the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. This isn't the apostle John, the disciple Jesus loved. This is John Mark. But Mark didn't continue with Paul and his companions just a little later in Acts chapter 13, verse 13. Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. This led to a division between Barnabas and Paul and their team because they had different ideas of whether Mark was really ready for this kind of ministry. What's it say in Acts chapter 15? Uh, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Sensible. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take them, him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of God. Okay, so this ends up working out for the cause of the gospel because what had been one super team, Paul and Barnabas, becomes two teams, Paul and Silas and Barnabas and Mark. And Colossians demonstrates Paul working once again with this same John Mark. What's your ministry story? 
How have you served for the greater good of Christ's church? And then a harder question is, have you ever been unfaithful to ministry commitments? What were the consequences for you? Do you know what they were, the consequences for others? And the reason to think about this isn't to beat yourself up or to feel worthless. It's to resolve things that ought to be resolved if the, if the gospel is all Paul has been saying that it is in the context of this letter. All right, continuing along this line of thought, are there unresolved relationships in your church past, especially ones related to ministry? What ought you to do with that? Ought you to pray for guidance and not rush into anything? Ought you fundamentally to pray to have the right attitude about that relationship? Do you need to reach out to someone from the past with a repentant heart for your part? Do you need to reach out to someone from the past with gracious encouragement to build them up? All right, the next person that Paul mentions is Jesus. And because of that, as well as other things, presumably, he's also known as Justice. Verse 11, Jesus, who is called Justice, sends greetings. Okay, this man is otherwise unknown, but he's one of a small number of Christians who had an identity like Paul's. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. So, Justice is a Jewish follower of Messiah Jesus. Paul longed for his kinfolk to follow his king, but his ministry was to Gentiles. And that, plus the opposition in his ministry, which was pretty consistent by Jews in the regions that he visited, not always, but often enough, made those who worked with him, like Justice, stand out all the more. He, it made him appreciate them all the more. And did you know that you can be encouraging just by being a co-laborer, just by being who you are, who Jesus, according to God's plan and by the Holy Spirit's power, is making you and who you were meant to be? Another hard question for you. What ministry work are you for refusing because you have the wrong idea of who you are and what is required of you? As we close out this letter, don't forget that Paul has spent a lot of time talking about who you and I are in Christ. Revisit what Paul tells the Colossians when you feel like opting out of serving God's people in any way because you don't feel good enough or don't even know what to do. And if you just don't know what you could do, again, let's talk about it. I'm at michael.miller at covalley.com. Justice encourages Paul by being one of us, one of them, one of Paul's team, one of Christ's team. And now Paul is going to bring greetings from one of you, someone we've already heard about early in the letter, Epaphras. So Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Epaphras is one of you. He's a servant of Christ Jesus. He's always wrestling in prayer for you. Why? How? That you'll stand firm in God's full will for your maturity and full assurance. What great things. And then in verse 13, I vouch for him, Paul says, 
that Epaphras is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. These are three cities that are close enough together. He's working hard for the Colossians and the other churches in the region. From Colossians 1.7, where we were way back at the beginning of this series, Paul also considers Epaphras a fellow servant, a faithful minister serving on our behalf, the one from whom the Colossians heard of God's grace and responded, and who bears witness to the church's love in the Spirit. What an amazing minister Epaphras sounds like. His ministry didn't just end with them receiving the gospel. He continues to watch over their growth. He's diligently working in prayer for them, even when he's separated by them. He doesn't do any of this for his own sake, for his own kingdom, for his own power, for his own authority, for his own name, but as part of Paul's ministry team on Christ's behalf to the Gospels. For whom in your church, whether it's Church of the Valley or another church, are you wrestling in prayer? Now, the pastors ought to be doing that, and oh my, we do, but is that just the responsibility of the pastors? Or can you have a hand as well in praying for others to stand firm and to grow in maturity? Whose growth and maturity have you noticed? How can you testify to that in a way that's encouraging to others? And if you're not in a place to notice the growth of others, how do you engage that way? How about starting in a community group? Got some information for you along those lines. Okay, but the rest of the greetings are much smaller. So first come Luke and Demas. They're the next senders of greetings in verse 14. Our dear friend Luke the doctor and Demas sends greetings. This is where in scriptures we learn that Luke is a doctor, but you probably know him best as the writer of the Gospel of Luke and the book that we call the Acts of the Apostles, together sometimes called Luke Acts. They fit together very well and intentionally. He was a longtime travel companion of Paul, as some of Acts reveals in bits and pieces. And we don't know a ton about either Luke or Demas, but I'll return to him in just a little bit. Now Paul is going to move on and send his own greetings to the Laodiceans and particularly to Nympha, a hostess of the church in Laodicea. So in verse 15, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home. What's interesting is that Paul is saying, hey, one church, greet another church in the area for me. He's involving one church in blessing another church. The following verse builds on that idea. It introduces a new section in which Paul's going to give some quick instructions. So verse 16, after this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you, in turn, read the letter from Laodicea. Okay, we're going to swap letters and be encouraged by each other's letters. Paul is calling the regional churches to cross-pollinate one another, to get into fellowship around the gospel, and especially in these gospel-focused messages that Paul is sending purposefully to churches in the same region. Even though we don't think that we have the letter to Laodicea, nonetheless, they got to share in it, these two churches at the time, and we get the benefit of all these epistles that Paul wrote. I have to tell you, that's one of the things on your the heart 
the hearts of your pastors and your elders and your trustees. How do we encourage other churches in being faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Uh, how, do we, how do we do that? Gospel focus, not just commiserating about problems, not commiserating about problems with our congregations or with our leaders or with the government, not social action, not, I don't know, uh, anything else, not our activities, programs, but interacting centered on Jesus our King. And we're intending uh, over the course of the next month to share some of the connections that we've made with you for your encouragement. All right, Paul has a sterner message for another guy that we'll call Archie. Let me start with his mention in Paul's letter to Philemon. Uh, also to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. So let's call him Archie, and he's a fellow soldier with Paul. They're on the same team, but in our passage, Paul kind of sets down some, some guidance will say, verse 17 of Colossians 4. Tell Archie, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. Get on with your ministry, Archie, is kind of a tough message, especially when they're going to be sharing that with, you know, the other churches. But I love that Pastor Tim did that to me this year as we were closing out the, the year, uh, 2020, I guess that's not this year anymore. He told me to budget to outsource our accounting so I could stop doing it and have more time to do the pastoral work we intended me to do when I came on board at Church of the Valley. And it was great to be able to step in and learn what's going on and be able to transition well uh, our finances to somebody else. But it's also great to have my leader remind me what my central work ought to be and that other things are crowding it out and it's, it's got a cost of not being able to do it and his being willing to budget to make that happen. What ministry have you received in the Lord that remains to be completed? What kind of guidance or help do you need in order to complete it? Who will you talk to about that? Okay, and do I need to put my slide up again for that? Michael.Miller at covalley.com. Uh-huh. Paul concludes briefly. Verse 18. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. The rest of this letter was probably dictated by Paul, written by one of the helpers that he's mentioned. But as was his practice, when he gets down to the end, he writes briefly in his own hand a conclusion. And there aren't digitizers, there aren't cameras, there aren't copy machines, there aren't even faxes. It's hard to copy manuscripts at all. And being able to see the writing of the Paul, I'm thinking about you Colossians whom I've never met. I'm affirming these guys to you because they're gonna represent Christ to you in harmony with how I've represented Christ everywhere that I've gone. Remember my chains moves me even more. I don't think this is Paul saying, look at me, I'm suffering from for Christ. I think instead he's saying, I'm running with my own hands, but I'm chained. I'm hampered in what I can do. So encourage one another. Yeah, do that. Be bold regardless of circumstances for sure. But just as Epaphras is wrestling in prayer for you, 
Would you be praying for me? Would you remember me in my chains? And how can you partner in prayer with Church of the Valley and the churches in our region for the gospel? We'll start by praying for Pastor Tim and the elders. That would be my first advice is to pray. Pray that we would continue falling in love more and more with Jesus to live all aspects of our life in submission to him and to serve him diligently. Pray for everyone at Church of the Valley that we would all know who Jesus is and what he has done for us and what he has recreated us individually and together to do. All right, and I have three last things I want to suggest as further applications based on the people in today's text. Three specific people. So the first one is, like Onesimus, walk uprightly in new life. We've seen that Onesimus appears to have been a slave who ran away from his master, and Paul is returning him to the place he ran away from, but as a brother, not merely as a slave. If you didn't do something in your pre-Christ days that you wish you hadn't, Maybe you should check yourself for legalism because that's often uh, how you're able to see the past with such rose-colored glasses. Just saying. But if you did do something in your pre-Christ days that isn't consistent with who you are in Christ, and that should be the norm, deal with that as head-on as you can. Do it in the power of Christ at the prompting of the Holy Spirit to bring glory to God for who you are now. You are no longer that pre-Christ person once you're in Christ, as you continue in Christ. Hang on to that, believer. Okay, which leads us to, unlike Demas, continue in Christ. I said earlier I'd come back to Demas, who's briefly mentioned here in Colossians and briefly mentioned in Philemon. But here's what Paul says about him later in 2 Timothy. Do your best to come to me quickly for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Demas flaked. He didn't prove faithful. The last word that we have is, even though he appeared to be on Christ's team, he flunked out. He left before the final. He traveled with the right people. He was seen in the right places. He's apparently part of Paul's missional squad, except the last we hear of him, his love for the world is greater than his affection for Christ. And as a result, he deserts Paul. Remain in Christ. Okay, third one. Like Mark, if you have been unfaithful in service to Jesus, remain in Christ and available to his body, the church. So unlike Demas, the Paul, the, the Paul's story with Barnabas uh, and their relationship with Mark, it does have a happy ending. I mentioned that Paul and Barnabas split up and did team ministry separately. But here Mark is in Rome with Paul in his imprisonment. And here's what Paul says about Mark in his final assessment that we have. 2 Timothy 4.11, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Who redeemed Mark? Jesus did. And despite Mark abandoning an earlier mission, he grew in his usefulness and ministry and Paul noticed it and appreciated it and sought him out for help. Three applications I'd like to put into practice because this isn't a buddy movie. And I find some hope in that. Paul has been describing people who are all about gospel milkshakes without the additives. 
That's not what my buddies are about. These are people who in big ways and little ways are serving in the kingdom of Christ, which has already come. That's not what my buddies are all about. And even though Onesimus and Demas and Mark have different story arcs, they're connected in this passage because they're with Paul, who is in prison, but passionately pointing people he's never met to the one who can unite them. What's your ministry in 2021? That's the wrong question to start with, okay? Don't, don't do a New Year's resolution about New Year's ministry. Better to start with, what does remaining in Christ look like in 2021? If you're drawing a blank, I'd suggest watching the last three Sunday sermons on the subject. December 13th from Ruth Silka, December 20th from Tim Riley, December 27th from Karen Miller. They all gave some practical ideas for how to serve in the context of where we are right now. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. And I thank you that individual names matter to you. I know I've said this before. Thank you for acknowledging us by name. Help us as a community at Church of the Valley to value one another the way that you value individuals. And would you, at an individual level, help us this year to put into practice some of the principles and some of the applications that Paul has suggested at your prodding, at your direction, with the Spirit's breath on how to be in Christ, how to remain in Christ, how to know who we are in Christ, what to do about it. As we welcome this new year, I pray that what we would do is welcome your work, your continuing work of harmonizing who we are with what you intend and a new resolution to be part of real ministry going on at Church of the Valley and in our valley here in Santa Clara. I ask these things that are ridiculous outside your power because Jesus Christ allows me to petition these boldly before you. Amen. God bless you.